Well, welcome along to A Thrill of Hope, Christmas Eve with Elevate. It is, in case you missed it, December 24. One more sleep until Santa comes down the chimney. Yesterday was uh, December 23, and one of my uh, buddies posted a meme up on Facebook saying, one more sleep until men start their Christmas shopping. But Christmas is a funny and a unique holiday in the sense of it's the only holiday that we all actually count down to. And uh, this countdown, we experience differently depending on who we are and how we're wired and maybe our circumstances. If you're under a certain age, the, the countdown is filled with hope and excitement about the sort of presence you might be getting. Hopefully some of you, as you are above a certain age, have matured and you're also embracing the thrill of being able to give presents and your excitement is about what you've got and who you've got it for and the opportunity to watch their face light up as they unwrap it. If you're organised, you've been counting down to Christmas with a very smug look on your face, looking smugly down your nose at the disorganised people around you. And if you're disorganised, You've been counting down to Christmas, wishing that you could somehow insert a few more days into the countdown because you've still got a few last minute food items and presents you need to fetch. And we know who you are. I'm gonna be watching you. You're, I know who you are because you're gonna be looking at your watch every few minutes. You deliberately arrived here early so you could get the nearest parking spot to the door. You case the joint and you've planned your escape route. I know, this is all things that you've had in your mind. And the irony is you've put so much effort into this. You're the person that we thought was disorganised. I don't think you're disorganised at all. I think you just have selective motivation. So I'm watching you this morning. You know, for many people, the lead up to Christmas and, and this season is filled with actual stress and anxiety. You know, we, 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 we've come to experience it as normal of having crowded shopping centers and, and, and parking hassles and uh, financial pressures. You know, I, I say this most years, it's the only industry that loves Christmas more than the retail industry are credit card providers. They love themselves some Christmas spending. And that brings pressure. You know, for some of you, you've got relational pressure. Some of you, you've got everyday pressure that you've been carrying right through the year. And what should be a time to push pause and to put all that aside somehow gets amplified as the people around you seem to be having so much fun. You know, we've even coined the phrase to describe Christmas in the Western world as the silly season. And we just think that's a normal way to describe it. What's interesting and what's important for us to understand is that stress and anxiety and mess and turmoil, they aren't actually new to the Christmas story. In fact, they were very much a part of the Christmas story from day one. And, and I wanna take you back there this morning. I wanna actually have a look at an eyewitness account of what happened 2,000 years ago when God sent His Son Jesus into the world. Now, if you wanna follow along, we have an app. It's got the Bible baked into there. Some of you have that app, I know. You can tap on the Bible. You can quickly download it if you're an App Store, Google Play user, or if you're the person who has a Windows phone, you can also download that as well. I mean, the person on the planet, not just the person here. Anyway, I promised I wouldn't go there. 
Luke, let me give you the backstory. I'm gonna take you right back. There's a guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor in the time just after Jesus had died. And Luke was hearing all of the reports about this Jesus. And as a doctor, he wanted to actually verify if the reports were credible. And so Luke took the time to go back to the eyewitnesses, the very eye, various eyewitnesses around Jesus' birth, Jesus' public life, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. And he recorded this historical eyewitness account or this, or this collection of eyewitness accounts. And he starts his, his eyewitness recollection, as you'd expect, right back at the beginning with the birth of Jesus. Now, a couple of things that we need to understand about this account that Luke wrote around the birth of Jesus is that when, when, when Luke starts to write his account based on the eyewitnesses, he starts at a time when Mary was super pregnant, okay? Like super pregnant. Like I think Aussies would say about to drop pregnant, all right? He didn't write that in the Bible, but if he was Aussie, he would have. And, uh, and what, what had happened right in this time when, when Mary was about to give birth, you know, approaching that nine month phase is that the, uh, the government called for a census. Now, these days when the government calls for a census, they work through the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the ABS. Back then they didn't have such an organisation. They would have been the Israel Bureau of Statistics, but they would have been known as the IBS. So they didn't have that. They didn't call them that. Uh, and, and, they didn't, and they didn't send, they didn't, I tested that joke. It went well in testing. They didn't send out postal census forms. What in fact they expected you to do and required of you in that, in that time was that you would have to travel back to the place of your birth, back to the town of your birth. If you already lived there, you were good. But if you had moved away at some point, you had to, to, to move back to the town of your birth. And being a very patriarchal society, if you were married, you would, you would be required to return to the town of your husband's birth. And so this is what uh, Joseph and Mary were faced with. They had to actually travel back to Bethlehem to the place where Joseph was born. And this was a 100 and 30 kilometer journey on a donkey, not on sealed roads. There was no Uber. There were no McDonald's. This was a tough gig. And, and Mary being super pregnant, it should come as no surprise to you that they were one of the last people to arrive in Bethlehem. And yes, there was no online booking services back then, no Trivago, no Airbnb. You just got to take what you could when you got there. And the problem is because they were the last to arrive, there was no accommodation available. And so super pregnant Mary and her, husband, and her soon to be husband Joseph had to find somewhere that Mary could lay down. And Luke picks the story up from there. While they were still there in Bethlehem in a stable, the time came for Mary to give birth and she gave birth to a son. It was her firstborn. And she wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hostel. This scene right here has been the script and the scene for many, a primary school play. Some of you have sat through said primary school plays and some of you may even remember being part of said primary school plays. But let me tell you, the version that you played on a little stage in a little gymnasium somewhere is nothing like the version of real life events. This was a 14 year old girl 
Now, whilst it wasn't completely out of the ordinary for a 14-year-old girl to be giving birth back then and, it, and, in, and still in some cultures today, she wasn't married and that was a big deal back then. And so through this, this pregnancy, which by the way, God's, God's out for them. is like when people ask how you got pregnant, you don't even get to say, well, yeah, Joseph and I slept together. I know we're not married and I know that's not cool. You were, you were supposed to explain to people, Joseph and I haven't ever slept together. This was God that did this to me. He did this to me. Well, yeah, that's gonna help. That's gonna make life easier for you in this nine month journey leading up to, to birth. No, there was nothing easy about this situation for them. And not only for them personally, but the time frame, the era, the, the setting they were in is the Israelites, they'd been conquered by the Romans, okay? I know the Italians, they're everywhere. And so back then they'd conquered Israel. And that wasn't, a problem that was unique to to Israel, but what was what was uh, what made that even more unbearable for the Israelites is that centuries prior they'd been taken captive by the Egyptians, and and it was after hundreds of years of of being slaves to Egypt that they finally got free and God delivered them. God led them into a land that was promised to them, and they were free and they lived as a free nation until the Romans came along and made them indentured servants to them again. And so this must have absolutely ripped their undies as Israelites. It was into this turmoil that God sent Jesus. Mary was ridiculed and she had to give birth in a stable. Earlier this week, we posted a Saturday Night Live skit on our Facebook page around the uh, satirized birth scene of Jesus. And Mary's just given birth. They don't show that. Uh, and then this procession of visitors keeps coming in. And she just wasn't up to seeing visitors because she'd just given birth, you know, like, fair enough, right? And, but Joseph didn't get it. He's like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, and he expected her to get up and, 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 and give them drinks and so on and so forth. And, 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 and at some point in the sketch, the character, uh, Emma Stone playing Mary, starts crying. And she says, I'm sorry. I guess that when I found out I was gonna give birth to the Saviour, I just assumed it was going to be nicer, <laughs> that there'd be a real bed, and I don't know, a doctor, and no sheep poop on the floor. And Joseph finally got it and asked everyone to come back the next day. <laughs> Instead, you can go and watch that for yourself. But turmoil and stress, both globally and, and, and personally, was a part of the Christmas story right back at the beginning. And when we were coming up with the theme for Christmas Eve with Elevate, we knew that we had to bake it around a thrill of hope, lending the line from the famous carol that we just sung, Oh Holy Night, a thrill of hope a weary world rejoices. See, the world was weary 2,000 years ago. And it doesn't take me to underline to you that it feels that way sometimes now, right? That we are living in a weary world. I just went online just to kind of, just, just in preparing this morning, just to kind of rewind to some of the stuff that's happened this year that wasn't cool, some of the tragedies. And, and, and I, I don't have time to include them all. But here's a few that, that you may have 
may remember and be reminded that we do live in a weary world. The, the Las Vegas strip shooting in which 60 people were killed and 300 injured. The bombing at the Ariana Grande concert in Manchester where 23 were dead but in, in included 12 children under the ages of 16 years. Hurricane Harvey and Irma back to back in the southern part of the United States were over 100 dead but tens of thousands of people displaced from their homes, their jobs and their livelihood. Pakistan, suicide bomber, 100 dead. Paris shooting, Egyptian mosque bombing, sexual misconduct allegations in the media and political circles, our growing global refugee crisis, and on and on and on. It's a weary, weary world. And, and of course, talking about 2017 tragedies, can't forget the dab, uh, Taylor Swift releasing Look What You Made Me Do, uh, fidget spinners, and of course, the Emoji Movie. Um, it's a weary, 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 weary world we live in. If anyone actually says to you, I love the Emoji Movie, you should go watch it. Defriend, unfollow, block, whatever. They have no taste in movies. But I read the news most days and after I finish reading it, I'm thinking to myself, the only solution for this is to become a prepper. Go buy a generator, some bottled water, a little bit of canned food, build a bunker somewhere, go off the grid and we're good. It's the only hope we've got because day after day after day, I, I read the news and I feel like I just have to take another shower. It's like, it's like news, news, uh, what's it gonna be today? And in fact, it's not even what's singular, what's, what's today's list? going to be that's making the world so weary. And the longer this goes on, the easier it is for us to lose hope. Now that's world events. Personal events can cause us to lead hope, lose hope as well. Seven weeks ago to the day, I was getting ready to come here and I'd set up our ironing board to iron a shirt I was wearing that day. And we've got a Pretty small house at the moment, long story. Don't have time to go there. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I don't love ironing, but for some reason I was moving towards the laundry room and the ironing board with quite a bit of velocity. Okay, I don't know, just excited about ironing that morning. And I took the corner a little too sharply. And I, well, I was gonna say I stubbed my toe, but I didn't actually stub my toe. Uh, according to Dr. Google, uh, the next day, I am quite certain that I actually fractured my toe. And, uh, and it hurt a lot. Because the thing with toes is you use them all the time. Like, like you can't kind of just kind of like wrap them up and throw them over your shoulder. Like unless you can walk on your hands. Yeah. And, so, and so one week went along and this toe had not gotten any better. Two weeks, still no better. Three weeks, no better. Four weeks, no better. Now, I was still uh, running 50 kilometers out a week. I'm sure they had no bearing on the uh, issue. After five weeks, my toe had still not gotten any better and I started asking myself, is it ever gonna get better? And I get it. For you, you got stuff, you're dealing with things far worse than a fractured toe. Some of you have got more issues than a magazine. I understand that. And you're going in to the Christmas season with bigger challenges than a fractured toe. Some of you have relationship fracture that you're navigating right here as we speak. Some of you, it's financial pressure. Some of you, 
it's health issues. Some of you, it's, it's job and, and career things and challenges. And in, in, in your personal world is a weary world. And you may have found yourself asking the question this year, is it ever gonna get better? Because if it's not, we lose hope. And so Luke, having recorded the eyewitness accounts of Mary giving birth, he continues with his eyewitness accounts and paints the picture. We've already heard about it this morning. There were shepherds, sheep herders camping in the neighbourhood. And they set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. Well, they were terrified, understandably. The angel said, no, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Saviour has just been born in David's town, a Saviour who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. This is what you're to look for. And, and this is the game changer, but this is what too many people miss. Because we think that God's first response to our weary world is to send us a how. And yet the thrill of hope is God didn't send a how, He sent a who. He sent someone who actually first and foremost isn't necessarily gonna pluck us out of the circumstances we find ourselves in, but rather inserts himself into those circumstances to provide us guidance and hope and encouragement and actually lead us through the circumstances. A God that doesn't just stand off to the sidelines, a God that's not just interested in the world that we live in, but took a deep dive 2,000 years ago, but he didn't look like people thought he was gonna look. And that's why back then, a lot of people missed him. And even today, a lot of people miss him. If you've got challenges, here's what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. If you have relational issues, here's what you're to look for. A baby lying in a blanket, in a manger. If you have financial pressures, maybe you lost your job this year, here's what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. If you've had some health issues and a diagnosis came your way this year that just knocked you around, here's what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. Don't start looking for a house, start looking for a who, the thrill of hope that God sent 2,000 years ago, a gift to us. How many of you, you open your presents, your family, you open your presents on Christmas morning? Hands up, how many open, open Christmas morning, Christmas morning, Christmas morning? Okay, cool, I get it. How many of you uh, open your, as a family, open your presents Christmas Eve? Are any Christmas Eve people? Any Christmas, okay, one, interesting. Now, in the first 10 years of my life growing up, I didn't know there was such a thing as opening your presents on Christmas Eve because we had been brought up only to open our presents Christmas morning. 
The problem is in my family, the person that, that, that had the most excitement and expectation around the gifts was my dad. And so it's not, it's not, wasn't myself and my brother that couldn't like handle trying to sleep while Santa came and, and wait till Christmas morning. My dad couldn't handle waiting till Christmas morning. And I, but here's the thing. We grew up as, as a Catholic family and I have no idea why it took my dad 10 years to figure this out. There was a hack that was, that was hidden in plain sight for him all along. And the Catholics call it midnight mass. Now, if you haven't uh, interfaced with Catholics, let me break it down for you. The Catholics offer different time slots. If you wanna go to church around Christmas, different time slots. There's Christmas Eve, 7.30 p.m. Well, we never went there because it just didn't make any sense. There's, there's Christmas Day, so tomorrow morning in Catholic churches all around the world, there'll be various services, probably you know, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m., etc. But they offered an option called Midnight Mass, where you could go and check in at 12 midnight. And when you're done, you could go home. And if you so choose to, you could open presents because it's officially Christmas Day, but you didn't have to go to sleep. It took my dad 10 years to work out this hack. But I gotta tell you, year 11, before that priest up the front had finished doing his thing, my dad had walked out, fetched the car, wheeled it around to the front door, doors are open, engine was on, honking the horn. Right! And he wasn't honking to get our attention, he was honking to get the priest's attention. Are you done yet? And so, so we'd, we'd drive home at questionable speeds to get into our lounge room so my dad could start flinging wrapping paper everywhere. He couldn't wait to opening and giving the gifts around Christmas. But here's the thrill of hope and here's one of the most exciting parts of the Christmas story is whilst the Israelites had to wait hundreds of years for God to insert Himself in the form of His Son, Jesus. While Mary had to wait and Joseph had to wait nine months in the midst of ridicule from family and people in their community, you and I don't have to wait anymore. God's already sent His Son. We don't have to wait and, and wonder, is it gonna be getting any better? Is there anything worth hoping for? Hope has already come in the form of His Son Jesus, the gift of a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger, and you can accept that gift this morning just like our friend, Anna. So growing up, life was pretty hectic for me. My uh, mum was a teen mum and my dad was a young dad. Uh, and they weren't together when I was born, which was a pretty hectic start. And then I uh, was brought up with my mum and she was partnered with someone in the gang. And so I grew up in a really violent, um, abusive sort of world. I would constantly see my mum get bed up and anyway, so I carried, I've carried that with me and I still do, um, but I've carried that with me my whole life and I remember one day when I was 17, well maybe 18, being invited to a church in 2007 and my friends talking to me about this dude called Jesus and I just thought it was crazy because religion was, really wasn't my forte, it wasn't something that I grew up on. I'd heard about it, but it just wasn't my thing. 
Anyway, I started hanging out more and more with my Christian friends. Um, they started talking to me more about Jesus. On the side of that, I had a whole other group of friends who were sort of leading me down another path of life. And one day I just decided, you know what, like I'm going to give this guy a go, but I just want someone to prove to me that he exists and that he's real. And I tried praying and I prayed and I said, hey, like, who is this? Who are you, Jesus? Like, how, how can I see you in my life? I've never experienced you. I've never seen you. So if you could reveal yourself to me, that would be really cool. And he did, he did do that. I remember flipping through my Bible and I was like, cool, let's open a random page, look for a random uh, verse. And I came upon Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And I can't say it word for word, but it basically talked about how, you know, if you have any burdens or you have any issues that are going on in your life, like you can actually leave that with Jesus. You can, he took that for you on the cross and he can still take that for you now. And I remember just bursting into tears. Jesus promises me that no matter how heavy my burden is, no matter how um, crazy my past was, like He is there carrying it and He'll take it from me. All I have to do is just give it to Him. And that's just so simple. It's such a simple thing. Something that Jesus said 2,000 years ago changed the course of my life. It instilled this new sense of hope and gave me a renewed life. And I just know that if you looked into who Jesus was and what he can do and what he has done, that he'll give you that same hope and that same renewal of life. I love Anna's story. It's a great story. And today, before we wrap up, I'd love the opportunity to extend an invitation to you. You know, it's an incredible time to experience that thrill of hope and it's an incredible time where our hearts are open and we get to have an opportunity to invite this Jesus into our heart. So right now here today, before we kind of finish up, I wanna give those of us who have never ever had the opportunity to meet this Jesus, to invite Him into our lives. I give you that opportunity now and I'm going to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you this morning. I'd love the opportunity to say, you look, I'm going to stand with you and know that this is going to be one of the best decisions that you're ever going to make. And all you have to do is slip up your hand. I'm going to be having a look. And if that's you this morning, then I'd love to pray for you. And then I've got another group of people and this group of people might be the kind of people who used to follow Jesus and used to say, yeah, He's in my life. But for whatever reason, life has gotten busy too much to full on. And there's been times where you've stepped away from Him and it's not been an important thing in your life. Well, today it's perfect because we're here and we would love to invite you to, to partner again with Jesus, to still put that opportunity forward and say, yeah, you know what? I'd love to invite Jesus into my life. I'd love the opportunity to say, yep, I'm going to stand up and, and say that this is going to be the, the beginning of a new part of my life, a thrill of hope that Mark was talking about. And all you have to do is stay in your seat, slip up your hands and I'll pray for you. So if that's you this morning, so if you've never ever encountered Jesus before and today is the first day, then please, I invite you to put up your hand. And if you have walked with Him before, but you haven't been walking with Him closely and haven't had a relationship with Him for a really long time, I invite you to slip up your hand. So I'll give you a really quick moment to slip up your hand if that's you this morning. I'm looking from the left to the right, to the front, to the back. Awesome. Thanks. That's such a cool decision. 
Anyone else before? I'd love to pray for you. I love praying for people. So this would be an awesome opportunity. Another quick look around. Okay, what I'm going to do for those that have put up your hand and those of us that didn't, I still would love the opportunity to pray with you. And a really cool thing is I'm going to say a line and then you just repeat that line after me. And we're all going to say it together so it's not singling anybody out. So I'll say it and you repeat it. First thing, Father God, Father God, I come to you in Jesus' Name. Cool. I've decided to become a part of your family by asking Jesus to make my heart new and for Jesus to become Lord of my life. From now on, I want to follow You, Jesus. I want You to lead my life, Jesus. Thank You for loving me and giving me the thrill of new hope. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Cool. That's awesome. Let's give those people a bit of a hand. That's so cool.